not a good podcast. We're not a bad podcast. We're the podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Holy Shoot, a podcast that is all about the world of professional wrestling. I'm your host, Broderick, and joining me are... Hi, this is Chen. Hi, guys, this is Jason. And there is no producer, Chris, today. Uh, He's off to Saudi Arabia to get some of that sweet, sweet blood money for a podcast. But apart from that... How are you all doing, guys, after the Christmas New Year break? It's that depressing time after Christmas where it's dark and cold and you're trying not to drink too much. And you look at your bank account and you realize, <laughs> shit, I spent a lot last month. But and Happy New Year, people. <laughs> and you've got, like, bills to pay on top of that. But apart from that, I think I think we're all feeling good, you know? Yeah. You know new, new Year, new us, etc. Yeah, I think looking forward to it. You know, I'm going to WrestleMania this year. Yeah, I can say same, that. Yeah. You know, I can say yeah. that now. Uh, at the time of recording, it's... Exactly three months we're going to New York. Yeah. Not you, Chan. Uh, oh. you're, you're too poor. I still might <laughs> join you. I still might join you. We'll see. Oh, the the, the uh, pod invasion continues. Anyway, coming up on today's uh, edition of Holy Shoot, we'll be covering the very worst of professional wrestling in 2018. We will also conclude the show with the usual Ring of Dishonor segment. But coming up first after this short musical interlude is the news. sad story as one of pro wrestling's greatest interviewers and by extension greatest non-in-ring talents Mean Gene Oakland passed away at the age of 76. Jason, since you grew up with Mean Gene uh, when Mean Gene was most prevalent, did you want to say a few words? Yeah, I can talk about Mean Gene a little bit. Um, He is regarded as the greatest stick man in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone knows what a stick man is probably, especially when you look at the modern product, but I just described Mean Gene's role. He was there to hold the stick, the microphone, but he did it in such a way that in the old days not every wrestler could talk not everyone could cut a promo but Mean Gene would set the whole interview up he would explain what was going on he would introduce the talent talk about how strong they were or sneaky they were depending on the character he would talk about the feud they're in have them do their talking he would just lead them through the interview and then send and also send it back to the main broadcast team after asking sensible questions you don't see that anymore it's not necessary so much now but that's what he was known for and the fact that he loved the martini and the bar afterwards with the wrestlers and the rest of the crew but yeah very much loved member of the wrestling world Jen did you want to add anything? I mean I wasn't watching wrestling during that period but wasn't he very instrumental with Hogan and his interviews? Yeah he was in all the Hogan interviews then if you look at man holding the stick is always Mean Gene and there's some great like funny clips if you find them on YouTube of him doing like the Hulk Hogan workout for the old Coliseum home video some very silly stuff it's very funny yeah it's, it's always sad to see an iconic figure such as Gene Oakland pass and he was a terrific character on screen and uh, yeah we rarely see his likes today in uh, both WWE and elsewhere and uh, he will be sorely missed uh, moving on, uh, it appears that Tony Storm has deleted her social media accounts following supposed new leaks of her being released online. Uh, the following hashtag, we support Tony, became trending worldwide in response. Uh, what do you make of this story, guys? Oh, I think I'm the biggest Tony Storm fan here. I think we all love Tony, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, she's, she's great. Been a fan since God, going back a long time now. Mm. From the, you know, her progress days, seeing her come on the scene there. It's a real shame to see that happen to someone. Um, at least it's nice to see the community banding around her. Yeah. Jen? Yeah, um, it's sad when someone's privacy gets invaded, but hopefully she'll make a comeback on the social media and just continue 
doing what she does best, wrestling. Yeah, I think uh, following what happened with Paige a couple of years ago and how that affected her, uh, all we can hope for is uh, uh, not to be too too damaged by this story um, and by these leaks. But yeah, uh, I think you could sometimes write their chat, it's always bad when someone's uh, privacy has been invaded. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it won't affect her too much, both mentally and emotionally. And uh, hopefully she's back on the social media soon and tearing it up, as uh, she will do uh, in the upcoming NXT UK takeover. So, on to more positive news. And Vince McMahon announced on the Christmas Eve edition of Raw that the women's division will get tag team championships. How do you think these titles will work? And would we be correct in assuming that these are going to be co-branded titles? I'm going to start with you, Chen. I like this idea. I saw this coming for like a year now. But I still think um, they need the women need to have their own show. Just like a one-hour show. Because I, I don't Why? want there to be I don't want there to be like a women's tag team titles and they're never featured on television. I think it's more of a case that the, both rosters are well, especially the SmackDown roster is overloaded with talent, and I think that could do with an additional hour in order for more women to be featured. But uh, for an all women show, I don't think that would work. I think that would be a step backwards because it's likely be a network special, not get a television deal. Jason. It's a weird one, right? It's going to have to be the first dual brand or cross brand belt they've had for a while. I don't like they don't have enough talent, I think, at the moment to have two tag divisions. It's going to be a strange setup. How that's going to work? Hold up, is it definitely cross brand? Yeah, like, it's definitely co brand. Def- well, they've advertised stuff on social media which suggests it will be co branded, such as like I don't know the Iconics or Riot Squad. Probably, for the belts. It'll probably be Sasha and Bailey. Yeah. But what makes it interesting is if you're the tag, if you're the tag champs, you can then be on both shows. Yeah. So then it's it's going back to the Universal Title days. It'll be strange. But I think that's stupid because they don't do that with the male tag team titles. Just yeah, I think the one thing that could jeopardise this entire tag team title is a Fox deal because when Fox took the rights to SmackDown, uh, which is uh, happening in October, I think if I remember correctly. Basically, one thing that Fox really wants is for SmackDown to be more separate than Raw. So I think the only way around it is to have then have two sets of titles. Otherwise, I can't imagine Fox being too happy with a co-branded championship a and having, having the potential for Raw stars to come onto SmackDown. They don't want that. They see that they see uh, USA or NBC Universal, their parent company, as competitor. So. I think that could be a major issue. I, I am looking forward to the tag, women's tag team division. It gives uh, the women's division more to do. I think, like with the Ruby Riot, uh, the Riot Squad, and the Bo- uh, Boss and Hug connection—is that what they're called? Uh, feuding over and over and over again without anything to actually compete for. I think it kind of makes sense that they make use of the teams that they've created. I think it's good because they'll be able to rotate talent in and out of the like singles division as well. It'll just give them more rotation of top talent. Absolutely. Also, can't wait to see a TLC match for the tag titles. Oh, that would actually be really good. Especially with uh, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan taking those table bumps at yeah. TLC. They've, they've got potential to do something. But um, it's good that's happening. And I think... Uh, we might do some fantasy booking over this next week or two. Anyway, 
moving on from one woman to another. Oh, just one women's division to just a woman. But anyway, the rise of Becky Lynch has continued this past week on SmackDown as it appears that John Cena has passed the torch to hashtag the man. Is Becky Lynch the new face of WWE? Jason? I don't know if she's the face, but she's the best chance. I've never seen a woman be that close to being the face. I mean, she's the face of SmackDown. I'm trying to think about who would be the face apart from Becky, though. Ronda Rousey? Yeah, that's the, I guess that's the thing you've got. The face is one of the two women, which is still cool, but... Yeah. Idea with Roman out of the picture and, you know, Cena, old man Cena, not sort of around so much. It's in, I can't see anyone at that level. There's no one in the men's division stepping yeah. up uh, to fill those shoes. Jan? Um, I don't know about being the face of the company, but she's definitely the most popular wrestler right now. Mm. Um, whether the Vince and the higher-ups decide to make her the face of the company is a different story. It can definitely happen. So, I think they are looking to make her either the, the face of the company or one of the faces of the company. I think it's so much has been framed the past couple of months that that is the case. It's interesting how much they switched from that initial attempt at turning a heel to accepting it, and now she's out there bossing Cena around. That's an endorsement. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in an exclusive interview, that was... With, with, you? with the pod? No, 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 no. <laughs> Sadly, we did not have John Cena on today's pod, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ch- Chen thought we did, but, you know, Chen always thinks we have celebrities listen to our podcast. But anyway, in an almost out of character interview with WWE.com, if you let me finish, Jason, uh, Cena said it's her- for her to lose with regards to the torch being passed. Um, it's, uh, for me, it sounds like another endorsement from WWE, and I think they feel glad that someone is kind of stepping up to Roman's position. Uh, I will say this, though. There are some unhappy folk on social media that I've noticed this past week on the old Instagram and Twitter saying Becky's overrated, so... Who are those people? Uh, in the words of Chris Jericho, stupid idiots. You know, you finally get someone good or finally get someone that's like really well liked and then out come people under the woodwork saying they're overrated no wonder they stuck with Roman for four or five years I mean, no wonder what's interesting for me is um, when this has happened in the last few years when it's been someone else Daniel Bryan they fought it for so long Rusev they fought it for so long when the fans really wanted these guys but with Becky they're freaking let's go with it yeah I think they know their ratings are dwindling and they just need someone to step up what's that much sales like I can't get a man t-shirt. I really want the man t-shirt, and I can't get the man t-shirt. Because merch sales speak a lot. Like, yeah. like you can only get it like extra small or three extra large, <laughs> and and I'm neither skinny or fat enough for those. So I mean, that's a good, just it's a good sign that all the main sizes are selling out. No idea how much she's selling, but a lot of people wearing that man t-shirt. Also, her promo was great against Cena. She held her own on the mic. Just want to mm. say, yeah. Well, that's nothing new. I mean, <laughs> Becky Lynch is great, full stop. Anyway, lastly, and what could be the biggest game changer in pro wrestling since WWE's buyout of WCW in 2001, Cody and the Young Bucks officially announced the beginning of All Elite Wrestling. The new promotion is looking to host a sequel to All In, supposedly titled Double or Nothing in Spring, and they'll be hosting a press conference in Jacksonville next Tuesday, just outside the SmackDown taping. What do you think we'll hear from this uh, conference or? Rally. I'm not sure what it is. So, 
I'm not expecting it to be a TV deal. I'm expecting confirmation a bit more about the next big show. Maybe they reveal a big name or a couple of names at the conference just to get some headlines. Announce Jericho. Well, imagine, Jer- imagine Jericho walking out. Oh, that would be insane. I mean, that is... That's the death of his relationship with WWE. Yeah. I don't think it'll be Jericho, but be, you see something like that would be a good headline yeah. grabber. Um, I don't really know what to expect right now. Um, so, like I said before, I followed the Being the Elite YouTube channel. Yep. Just seeing this guy, these guys on the journey and how they accomplished so much makes me feel like I'm part of it. Um, You're I'm, not, though. Well, that's probably what's worth it, whether they've got the yeah. fans in on it like that. Yeah. The, the New Year's Eve show was really well done, the way they announced this. And um, I just like seeing this as competition, like, you know, people taking charge of their careers and opening more doors for other wrestlers as well. Yeah. I think it would be great if they announced some guys, like Chris Jericho, as I mentioned. I think we're going to hear some more information on Double or Nothing. I think they're going to announce it for New York because I think Cody T something last month or a month before about showing up in New York City. Yep. So I think that's where the next... I mean, imagine if they host it during WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> be insane. Like, uh, the plan wasn't the Ring of Honor Supercard. No, it was, it was Double or Nothing at Madison Square. Could you imagine? It, I do think that, that would be ballsy, and I would love it. I think it's great. Um, and I I'll just... be there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm going to go out with it announcing Jim Ross is there, like head of creative or production or whatever role they want to give him. I think it might be Jimmy Jacobs. Hmm? Oh be. yeah, Jim. He'll be good addition. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry to cut you off, guys, but we've got to move on to the next segment. So that wraps up the big news of the week. After this short ad break from our affiliate, we will be looking at the very worst of professional wrestling in 2018. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at watchwrestling.london or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the Meetup page. After last week's Best of 2018 special, we thought we would take a dive into the creme de la crap of professional wrestling last year as we review the very worst of professional wrestling in 2018. Jason, since you did a terrific job of leading the Best of 2018 segment, you are now our esteemed host of Billy Crystal, if you would, of our equivalent of the Golden Raspberries. So I've not got my best suit on like last week. I'm just wearing rags for this one. That felt more suitable. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely not as flashy. Uh, yeah, it's suitable. Yeah, you're right. It's suitable for the raspberries of wrestling. So this set of awards will probably be more WWE-focused in terms of my shortlist, but they'll be open for input from the, you, you other guys for anything outside of that. I just looked at the headlines of like for these categories, and WWE, not WL. WWE is the one that stood out to me the most. Um, also, we just want to say that we are big wrestling fans, but we're not biased. We do like to talk about the good and the bad. Yeah. yeah. So if we sound like we're trashing the product, it's just that it was just bad. Yeah. Yeah. And because, yeah, exactly. 
it was shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it deserves and, to be and, mentioned. And on that point, like, they were, check out the last exhibit. We went through the best of the year, and yeah. I think we had some very passionate, interesting debate with various names being put forward for all the categories. Yeah. Interesting to note, Becky Lynch got the fan vote and Superstar of the Year. And I, I noticed that on, the, and, on Twitter. Uh, it was Omega versus Akada, I think, got match of the year uh, from New Japan Dominion. Yeah. So Two good winners. Thank you for voting if you voted. And if you ain't following us, follow us, please. At Holy Shoot Pod. Anyway, so, Jason, I'll yeah, let you I'll, get on with it. <laughs> let's start with a big category then. So we will start with worst match. Now, this might not be the actual worst match of the year, but these are the most disappointing or underwhelming because they had the profile on the stage and it just didn't happen. So fresh in a lot of people's minds, Ambrose and Seth Rollins from TLC. I've got Triple H and HBK versus Taker and Kane from Crown Jewel. Taker and Cena at WrestleMania. Also from WrestleMania, Braun Strowman and Nicholas versus The Bar. No. You're not, you're not, you're not even allowed that one to be considered. No, but no. That's that. um, and then Brock Lesnar v. Roman Reigns at the Greatest Raw Rumble. I remember when we watched this, I made a note afterwards. I went and rewatched it and saw the actual complete lack of wrestling that happened in that match. Camilla <laughs> um, v. Asuka from Money in the Bank because of the James Ellsworth stuff. And also Roman Reigns v. Samoa Joe, the main event at Backlash with no title. Ooh. So those are the shortlist I've come up with. Um, Brod, do you want to go first? Sure. So all those matches apart from the Nicholas one were absolute shit shows. But nothing compares to what I'm about to say as my worst match of the year. And that is Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman at WWE Crown Jewel. Oh, yeah, I hadn't it, thought about that one. It is an absolute masterclass of a fucking shit show. Uh, the outcome should have been Braun winning the title. I think we all agree, considering what's happened since. Instead, it has left fans watching Raw without Roman, without a champion, and without a reason to care for the past couple of months until they dragged the McMahons dragged themselves out to say they're changing up Raw. And guess what? Nothing much has happened yet. Uh, so it's no wonder that Raw has also suffered low record low ratings. And not only that, the match itself was the very worst of Brock Lesnar. Um... Now, I'm going to be controversial. I don't mind Lesnar being an absentee champion. I think it makes the Universal Championship matches feel more special. It makes Brock Lesnar matches feel more special. But when you get something where Baron Corbin comes out, hits Brock uh, Braun sorry, with the title, and then multiple F5s, that is not a match. That is an angle. Do not use that as a match. Do not use it as a title match. Do not insult the intelligence of the fans. Thank you. That's a good like write-in candidate there from Brod. Chen, did you agree with any of those on um, the list, or Brod, or have something else? I just want to say, with the way they should have put Braun, because he won the Greatest Royal Rumble, right? So yep. he should have just won the title at Crown Jewel in the same arena. or same and then he could, It was a and different could, city, it was in Riyadh, not Jeddah. He could have merged it with his Greatest Royal Rumble yeah. belt and been a dual champion. <laughs> <laughs> that, that greatest Royal Rumble belt, I forgot about that is a vulgar masterpiece. <laughs> As for my worst match, I'm sorry, Broad. Nicholas. Fucking Nicholas. Waste of a fucking angle. Waste of a fucking match. Waste of a bloody build-up. It's a ten-year-old. Waste of a bloody build-up. It's a ten-year-old. Who is going to bring be Braun's partner? And I didn't even like that they touched for that angle, they turned Braun face in the first place. I liked him as a heel. Braun was face before then. Yes, but still, leading up to WrestleMania and everything, I was like, Braun should be in the main event, not in some bloody tag team bullshit. 
And then they should, you know, they should have given the tag team titles a proper match with let them face someone else, for example. Not a bloody ten-year-old. Braun spent half the time in the crowd saying, who should I pick? Who should I pick? Pick some random kid. And then the next day, they give up the titles. Like, oh, because of school, Nicholas can't compete. I actually thought that was funny. I don't care. I don't care. So, Nicholas to win the Rumble? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Both good nominations here. So, I think... I'm gonna. I hadn't put this on the list, but I'm gonna have to agree with Broad. I think on. I'd forgotten about how bad that whole Brock and Braun was. To the champion, to one. But I think they're all pretty terrible on that list. But that one just stands out. You're right when you think about that match wasn't really a match. So we'll take that as the most underwhelming, Ooh. worst match of the maybe, year. Maybe we'll put that on a poll. People like voting for negative shit, so we'll put yes. that on a poll. <laughs> so, next category is biggest career tailspin. And also, was this justified that these guys have fallen down their respective cards so much? So, Jinder Mahal, Cien Almas, Carmella, Big Cass, The Revival. And I wanted to mention just someone from outside of WWE. I'm talking about Travis Banks because he went from being progress champion, you know, one of the big hot independent companies to a guy that just turns up in like tag team matches. But I'd imagine we'd be WWE focused. So what do you guys have? Chen? Um, with Almas, you can't really say... It's hard to say he's kind of fallen down because, you know, when you get called up to the main roster, you start all over again. It doesn't matter what you accomplish in NXT. So, you know, he's just at the bottom of the SmackDown right now and he needs to build himself up again. Um, I expect that when it's someone like an Alistair Black or someone, they get called up, they have to start all over again, establish themselves. Fair point. Um, I'll say probably Jinder Mahal because... <laughs> because like they built him up so much and now he's gone back to jobbing I think after he had that match with Roman Reigns I forgot the pay-per-view uh, it was money in the bank money in the bank They he just been jobbing 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 I was like why build up someone so so much and make him actually a proper heel and then just to have him start jobbing again especially because he had the US title for like four days right oh no he lost it the next day right no he lost it a week night, later a week or two later to Jeff Hardy Jeff Hardy and I was like they should have just given that title win to Rusev at Wrestlemania yeah the reason why Jinder went back down the card mate is because he's shit yeah but it doesn't matter Shanti so why, why, Shanti why build up Shanti so much then, like, you're picking Jinder yeah <laughs> so uh, he was in WWE and then he went back to the Indies uh, my pick is not on that list again it's James Ellsworth controversial does that count it does count <laughs> I, yeah. so for those but who he was more of a sidekick right? for those who don't know he allegedly sent some news to an underage girl in the United States and it transpires that he's a bit of a sex pest uh, hence ruining his career so that is technically a career tailspin I hasten to add not only that he had one of the worst matches of the year at Impact's Band for Glory so much so that Dave Meltzer gave it a dud his worst rating I think apart from one other match uh, which is an incredible waste of Eli Drake's talent I'm not sure if you're familiar with Eli Drake's work but he's a very good very good mic worker and a very good wrestler um, his return to WWE was not really warranted and I don't think wanted either. It only helped to prolong the misery of Carmella's SmackDown Women's title reign and make 
Asuka looked like the female equivalent of the jabroni. So, <laughs> all in all, James Ellsworth is my nomination for biggest career tailspin. Also, I want to say Big Cass comes second, but he screwed himself over. He's th- part of the hottest tag team. And then apparently he was going to get a big push, but he's he just had bad behaviour backstage. But I will say in defence of Big Cass, he was starting to make some bookings on the independent scene again after falling to absolute zero. He did get onto that House of Hardcore I, card. I like Big House Cass of as Hardcore a card. Hopefully he can make his way back to WWE one day. I don't really care. They have enough names. Well, yeah. he sabotaged himself. Yeah, I can see Big Cass getting back one day. But um, I'm going to agree with Chen on this one, actually. I think just Jinder going from where he was to having competitive matches he loses to the likes of Heath Slater. That sort of, that's a long way to go from being world champion. He's James done. Ellsworth beat AJ Styles three times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, but I, I put that down as anger. I don't think James ever was. He didn't fall as far for me on the main show like Jinder did when you look at how far he went. He wasn't high up uh, on the J- James Ellsworth is likely to go. No, I can't make that yeah. joke. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, moving on, just a related category here. So, the Why Are They Here award. So this isn't so much about tailspin. This is guys that are adding the least value to their shows. It can't be a tailspin because they've got they had no momentum to begin with. So no way, Jose, Kurt Hawkins, The Big Show, Alicia Fox, Rhino, and The Ascension. So, bro, do you want to get in early on this oh, one? Oh, I do. Go for it. So again, I have no one on that list. I will say, Alicia Fox appeared at Evolution. Chen, it's not that funny, you know. Like I can think outside the box, outside Jason's limited box. But anyway, uh, Alicia Fox, you know, she had a good year, you know, appearing in that tag match with Trish and Lita, Evolution, Kurt Hawkins. That's just part of a storyline. It's absolutely fine. At least it's getting him noticed. Big Show has been in an angle with the bar, but my nomination is someone you've completely forgotten about. And that's Zack Ryder. The man who's not had a match on Raw all year, right? Or was it a couple Up of years? Up until the New Year's Eve edition, he didn't have a single match on Raw after being moved from SmackDown. Uh, this career is essentially flatlined. There's not a lot to say. I hope he has a better 2019 because I think he can make a good mid-carder at any promotion. But yeah, not injured at all and didn't have a single match on Raw until a Battle Royale. I... It's just wow. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he was he was not even on my list of Wilder Hero Award because I just didn't think about him at all. That says a lot. Chen, well, who would you nominate? The person you didn't think about was Mojo Rawley. As soon as you said Zach, I think Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not hyped for that, bro. <laughs> Went from winning the Andre the Giant whatever battle royal and then oh, he never really got going, did he? And it's funny because like. Wasn't it for that match? Wasn't it just him and down? It was down to him and Jinder, yeah. right? And then they had the anger with the NFL player. Yeah, um, and then you see how Jinder's career took off for a while, and then what happened to Mojo? Nothing. I will say this though: at least they Mo- cashed in I, just for his friend. At least Mojo had a good match with Seth Rollins this year. At least Mojo had an angle with Bobby Roode and Noah Jose, I think. So, at least Mojo had something. Zack yeah. Ryder had nothing. Yeah, I put Mojo above Zack, I think, but. Neither them what? Zach had nothing no, to do. I agree. I, I'm agreeing with you, Brod, in terms of I'm putting Mojo above um, Zach and then oh, we actually achieved something. I, I thought you meant favouring him. <laughs> no, I agree, and Zach probably had the least. Um, it's a hard category to pick, isn't it? I hadn't thought about Zach again because I just didn't care. But then, but then, <laughs> Poor he, Zach. 
But then he doesn't even appear on Raw, so it's hard to pick on him as much. I'm, I'm going to go for No Way Jose, just having no momentum. No he, way, Jose. He gets to appear on the occasional show, dance and lose. But Basically, Adam Rose clone. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I used Adam Rose had an angle with a bunny. <laughs> yeah. So, next category is the worst commentator. I'm not even going to ask for a debate on this. I've already decided who's won. So, honourable men- mentions go to Booker T for everything he ever does on the pre-show. Mm-hmm. Byron Saxton, because I don't know if he actually adds anything to the product, apart from having Corey Graves shout at him. But the winner of this category is Corey Graves, just for his reaction every time Mandy Rose comes out on screen. I like Corey Graves, but it's just sickening the reaction he Mandy. has. Shut up, Saxton! <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was so strong on I thought at points but now he just annoys me a lot of the time I so there's no debate about who's winning but you're welcome to I comment I think Corey Graves is a decent commentator yeah I don't I, like th- him I, I never I never loved him like others when he was on NXT I think Nigel McGuinness is better uh, I think JBL was better uh, fuck no I don't care what you think but you know JBL was better <laughs> Controversy issues, but regardless, I think Corey Graves is okay. I think he was better on NXT. I think because they don't have commentators shutting down in the year. I think the problem with modern day commentary in general is faces face commentators can cheer for heels, like Michael Cole did with Elias when Elias was a heel, and vice versa. And I think that confuses a product and does not help with the storytelling of the product. I understand what you're saying about the Mandy Rose thing, but I think that's one, one really nitpick thing. Yeah, and that's I clear. It's so annoying. I also it's, think it's, it's not great. Bits, I don't. I don't. whispering in his ear, trying to sell Mandy's beauty kind of thing. Because you know, basically, but, like mm. he's playing like the king role, just for Mandy. He doesn't do it with any it other. Just with the rest of the product. Yeah. He doesn't do it with any other woman. I. I, I, I I agree, and I don't think it's good, but I don't think that's Corey. Yeah. So my nomination is one you didn't include again. You can nominate who you want. I would have chosen Jonathan Coachman. Oh God, I forgot Jonathan Coachman. As bad as Booker T was, at least he was entertaining at times. As bad as Byron Saxton is, he is great at being Corey Gray's full guy. And as bad as Renee Young is, at least she has the excuse of not being trained for quite a while. I know she's on NXT, but. You know, I, like I think she's been. Th- I think she's terrible. Uh, Coachman is a trained journalist. A, he was a broadcaster for ESPN for several years before returning to WWE, and he was the most unprepared commentator I've ever seen, the least interested commentator I've ever seen uh, and heard, should I say? And I would go as far to say that he's even worse than the characterless David Atunga. Fair enough. I think Coach. I tw- again. I coach, coach was so. Awful he went from that made Renee Young, who is bad, look really, really good. And coach when people went back to the pre-show, that Renee Young is doing a good job. No, she isn't. It's just because Jonathan Coachman was so effing awful. <laughs> it's funny that he came back from ESPN and he was doing that, and now he's on. I think he's on the pre-show. He's on the pay-per-views right That's he's his role now. That. It was better on that, to be fair. Um, But yeah, just... He he was so off-putting. I'm just going with Saxton. I don't think Saxton's that bad, you know. I think he's quite funny. I I like him him. in a geeky way. I hate him. (laughs) I like his chemistry with Corey Grace. We've given this category way too much. It's like oxygen, really. So let's move on to worst storyline. I picked four... 
and they all relate to the Raw brand. Cool. So yeah. I don't know if there's any... I, I couldn't find any... I think they're like from NXT or SmackDown or other shows that compare to these. So they're the worst storyline. These Sasha and Bailey long feud where they never pulled the trigger on and it kind of ended. Baron Corbin as Raw GM. Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley's sisters. And then just Brock and Reigns fighting over and over and over. Broad? Sure. So, Brock Reigns, at least Paul Heyman's kind of promos. Mm. And Roman Reigns had some decent promos too. Uh, what were the other ones? So, you've got Bailey and Sasha. Mm-hmm. Brown Corbin, your yep. GM. I don't think Chen's going to be waiting for that one. And then you had Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley's sisters. They were my ba- four from Raw. Baron Corbin is Raw GM. It wasn't his fault. It, I think it's just fault of circumstance with the fact that Braun Strowman's injured and Roman Reigns, obviously. Uh, oh, yeah, and this isn't was, judging the talent thought, themselves. This yeah, is judging the writing so, and where they went to the show. Yeah, I don't think it worked as well, but it wasn't the worst storyline. Bobby Sami was terrible. But at least I had the chant of Bobby's sisters. And the best side of it is that they put Leo Rush with Bobby Lashley after this. So with that being said, Sasha Bailey has got to be the worst storyline. What the hell was happening? It was stop-start. It never really got started. And Bailey attacked Sasha. Got a loud reaction. And then they decided to go to counselling with Dr. Shelby just and the comedic Bailey could have been Becky before Becky was, if they turned a heel. Imagine if they'd done that first. No, because Becky is far more talented on the yeah. mic than Bailey. And I say this as a person who absolutely loved Bailey on NXT. I think she's my favourite NXT You've female met Bailey. star. You're a big fan. Yeah, I met Bailey too. Uh, I'm a huge mark. If Bailey, I'm doing a Chen, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just an absolute waste of these two phenomenal talents. Talent. Um, so I think they could have told a great story. They did it in NXT. It didn't have to be stealing the show or even be up that high up in the card, but they could have done with that rivalry. And I really wanted one of them to win at the Elimination Chamber so them two would fight at WrestleMania and not Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax because that match was poor uh, as well as a sequel backlash. Those two can make something work within 10-15 minutes and tell it really really well. And we've seen that time and time again. And their opportunity to tell a great singles match on the biggest stage was taken away because of a net writing. And that... That is unforgivable. And for the Boston Hug Connection, stupid name. Um, before I get a chance, I'm going to put my choice in as Baron Corbin, Raw GM, mainly because they were just piling that heat on and it just made a terrible show and the way it, what happened to the ratings during that time, it was just painful to watch. Mm. Um, as our resident Corbin fan, I'm guessing you will not agree with me, but who are you going to pick? Um, I'm going to go with Broad and say the whole Bailey and Sasha it's just thank you I mean that Lashley segment was with the sisters was bad but at least they soon turned him heel straight after yep and um and that's just at least one segment but this whole story with Sasha and Bay like come on man we don't want we know you're just putting them together just for the tag team titles but we don't really care about that we want them to to stand on not together but alone facing each other and you know that's more that can be more opportunities, more attention on the women as well, women's wrestling. And, like, them two can main event. They main evented NXT. They can main event an actual WWE show. You know, people talk about Charlotte and um, Becky main eventing WrestleMania. 
But before them two, we were talking about Bailey and Sasha main eventing WrestleMania. That is very true. Yeah, I mean, they were the first women to main event a network special slash pay-per-view event, if you count takeovers as pay-per-view events, which I kind of do. They were the first two women to do it. Yeah, I think it's a real shame. Hopefully more will come from these guys, for these girls in 2019. Yeah. Sort of turn this around. So, <clears throat> moving on to worst thing in wrestling. Um, this is a hard category. I think this is a clear one to me as to what the worst thing in wrestling this year was, but definitely worth debating at least honourable mentions. So, worst thing in wrestling's Vince Russo gets a podcast and in general oxygen. Bro. <laughs> um, I just can't listen to Vince Russo talk. Um, bro, are you serious? <laughs> bro, we had an idea. Bro. <laughs> so, then, babyface Bobby Lashley can't cut a promo. But, and then Hill Bobby Lashley likes to show his ass. That's just strange. Um, Kevin Owens being buried. You think Kevin Owens headbutted Vince McMahon in the face, made him bleed everywhere, and then just went to being buried by Bobby Lashley on Raw. I know it was tied into the injury, but in general, that was just not a solid push for him this year. SmackDown having too many stars, and Raw not having enough stars, making the show really unbalanced in terms of the show length. But I think, for me, Roman Reigns gets cancer is the worst thing from wrestling this year. Even though I'm not a big Roman Reigns fan, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. So, Chen... Did you have anything else that you thought was um, really bad in wrestling? And do you agree Roman Reigns was the worst thing, or was there something else? Yeah, I mean, like, it got, you know, as much as we say, oh, stop pushing Roman, give other people a chance, mm. um, you know, you, we all saw Raw that day when he came out to so many boos, and then when he told about his problems, everyone started cheering, saying, as in cheering, saying, thank you, Roman, get well soon. And that's when you realise oh shit, this isn't about entertainment anymore, this is someone's life, you know, like, no matter what we thought about, whether we hated him or we liked him very much, we were like, oh man, come on, like, this hit everyone home, I feel. And um, we hope you get well soon, Roman, and hopefully be back to wrestling. Um, Mm. And I think secondly, so, I think the second worst thing is probably Vince Russo. Like, I don't listen to his podcast, but I hear, like, what he says, like, when people take quotes and everything. And it was funny, because he... I remember reading something about how he tried to get in all in, become part of it. <laughs> all out. Yeah. Cody told him to go away. Cody told him basically <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so, I have two. They're joint, but for different reasons. First one, we've already touched upon this, and that was Roman Reigns' uh, leukemia diagnosis. Uh, it was terrible for him personally and his family and for the business too uh, Raw has suffered WWE has suffered and we as fans um, you know I think we all feel that hole that Roman has left and we just hope he get we just hope he focuses on his recovery and uh, hopefully he uh, beats his cancer um, there's not really a lot more I can say beyond that so the other thing is something that could be helped and that for me is WWE's deal with Saudi Arabia so I jokingly made uh, I made a joke at the beginning of the podcast just to you know allude to this but I have to admit that I have great trouble watching World Wrestling Entertainment's product when they promote a pay-per-view like show such as um 
Crown Jewel Greatest Royal Rumble that's being held in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, as a person who tends to think himself as a liberal or egalitarian, uh, I find their human rights record to be beyond atrocious. Uh, the way that women are treated lesser to men, the fact that LGBT people are killed for just being who they are. And whilst Prince Mohammed bin Salman has made attempts publicly to try and curve some of this attitude and rectify the wrongs, in my personal opinion, uh, I just don't think it can be ignored that he ordered the killing of the journalist Jamal Khashoggi. I don't think those rights can just be simply ignored. I don't think it can be ignored that WWE accepted what could be called blood money. I salute anyone who basically cancelled the WWE network during this period. I think that was the right thing to do. Not to watch this product, I did. And, you know, thinking about it, I kind of regret it because I feel very hypocritical about it. Especially considering how bad the pay-per-view was too. But it's not just that. The fact they doubled down this controversy by creating a terrible event, which I don't think even the Saudi fans liked. The fact that they brought back the racist Hulk Hogan as well during this event. And by the way, spoiler alert for the next award, this is my worst show of the year. Um, Yeah, this... This is a deal that is very toxic, and I hope WWE try and find a way out of it. I don't think they will, but I hope they do pull the product from Saudi Arabia until their rights are rectified. I don't blame them for immediately terminating the deal, because I know it's very hard to get out of these contracts right away, so I think they had to put on the show in Riyadh. But uh, there's a lot of superstars at the back that didn't want to be there. John Cena and Daniel Bryan didn't want to be there, and it's understandable. They accepted blood money. And that cannot be forgotten. So, not going to make any jokes about that. That's a sort of serious, worst sort of kind of things there. It is Be- true. Before we get to the worst show, though, I'm going to do. We've got a penultimate award. I'm going to. We're going to go outside the WWE universe, or at least the main brand universe, and do the non WWE Sucktitude Award. I think it's a good name. I'm going Edge and Christian on you there. So, just some things outside of like main roster which sucked. So. Do we think I put down NXT for the just the UK shows and the way it's been treated? Um, they scheduled this really badly. The actual launch tournament shows at Royal Albert Hall. It clashed with an England game, so they had a half-empty Royal Albert Hall. I was there the next night, and it was still quite empty as well. They couldn't sell that out. I think they were charging too much money, so it made a bit of a flat launch to the show. And they've then been they had a massive gap after recording it, and they've been dumping it out every week, two episodes a week. It's hard to keep up. I'm not sure how much that's being watched. So the UK launch of NXT. Um, secondly, Impact continues to circle the drain. They seem to have no money. The ratings have continued to decline. They've had discussions about selling. They're now moving to a network which is about in about 60% of the homes they were at previously, so the ratings will go down further. Um, New Japan. While everyone loves New Japan, the actual interface of their VOD service is not brilliant in terms of it's basically Google Translate. So it makes it hard for these, and they're leaving money on the table there. And finally, just David Arquette. Yeah. So, Chen, what would you be thinking in terms of non-WE main brand, Sucktitude? I think it is probably David Arquette. 
Well, however you pronounce it. David Arquette. Uh, You're a young man. You won't remember David Arquette. I remember him when he won the WCW title. I was like, who is this guy? Oh, isn't that the guy from Scream or whatever? And, like, and he's back. Yeah, and then I saw, and I remember watching it as a kid. And I was like, as a kid, when I watched it, I think I was like nine years old. I was like, oh, uh, so- someone who's not a wrestler won it. This is great. But as, I, as you get older and you're more into wrestling... Dumb fuck. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> kind of thing like that. And, um, He's back having death matches. Yeah, it, it just shows that, like, not everyone, if you're thinking about t- doing wrestling, maybe have a simple match where there's no title on the line or where you'll be spilling actual blood or anything like that. Like, just have a normal one to one match. See, so you're going for Arquette. Yeah. Broad. I don't really want to put this promotion through the mud because I like this promotion, but Impact's last quarter has been not brilliant. Um, so Impact Wrestling had a good year on the whole, I would say, in terms of its actual product. It's pretty good on the whole, I would say, or at least solid. Uh, and then Bound for Glory happened, and Austin Aries uh, left the promotion and what was one of the weirdest shoots I've ever seen him not selling John Johnny Impact's finisher and then doing an up yours to Don Callis who's one of the producers and, and he's not really sure. surfaced since has he he's very no he, he hasn't surfaced since uh, it wasn't the storyline and it was bad for Impact because they lost one of their biggest stars and for a company that doesn't really have a standout star it's a big blow uh, this poor TV ratings and the terrible new TV deal going from pop to pursuit which is not available on Comcast some of our American listeners will know a bit more about that but basically their audience size their potential to reach to American yeah, audiences is less than half hmm. which is horrible for a show that's had dwindling ratings all year and they don't deserve the stars don't deserve it the producers don't deserve it the writers don't deserve it they put on a good show each and every week and it sucks and it sucks that they could be sold to Dodo or All Elite Wrestling or just collapse and I for one who remember TNA's good years in the mid-noughties before the Dixie Carter Eric Bischoff Hulk Hogan shit show could kill this company I'm going to agree with Broad on this one. I nearly went with New Japan just because I think they've left so much money on the table and now they might have missed their chance because of the All Elite launch. But yeah. when you look at Impact, I remember when they went up against Raw back, that's when Hogan and Bischoff first got involved. But they at least had like Hardy and RVD and they still had AJ and Samoa and all these great and guys. And you think at the time before that, yeah, the Samoa Joker angle, some of the stuff they were doing and what they're reduced to now is just, you want someone to come in with a load of money and but it's too, I feel like it's too late now for that company. I remember Kurt Angle saying in an interview that um, back then when it was TNA, they should never try to compete with WWE. They should have just always tried to beat the number two company, which is still in, was in a great position. Because before that rivalry, I think they had nearly a million viewers in the United States. Yeah. So I, TV ratings have dwindled anyway, so it wouldn't have uh, doubted it would maintain one million viewers. Well, so anyway. How many promotions 100, are there 120, 150,000 a week now they're on? It's yeah, something like that. And it's so sad to see because they've put a, real, a lot of effort in. They've got rid of the toxic management after years of bad horrible financial but mismanagement. the damage is still there. Yeah. And it's a shame because guys like Johnny Impact, Tessa Blanchard, and Co, they, and Sammy Callahan, they all deserve a bigger spotlight because they put in a lot of effort this year. 
cool, sir. Impact and Arquette. Good choices. And that brings us to our final worst award, and it's the big one, probably. The worst show of the year. My shortlist here is Backlash, Crown Jewel, The Greatest Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and the Raw 25th Anniversary. Um, Broad, I think you've already nominated yours here. You were saying Crown Jewel, right? Oh, no, I changed my mind. It's New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 12. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, Crown Jewel. The worst Universal title match. So, aside from the Saudi Arabia issue that I have, and I'm sure so- certain other people have as well, it's home- it-, it had the worst Universal title match this year. The worst tournament I have ever seen. Another WWE title match between AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, which was unnecessary. The DX vs. Brothers of Destruction match, which Shawn Michaels returned for that um, money. Shawn looked good in that match, at least. I'll give him yeah, that. but three other guys... Yeah, the other three didn't. <laughs> That's a it problem. It was a botch fest. It was terrible. It was... If it wasn't for the fact that Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar already happened in a poorly booked match angle, whatever you want to call it, was that this would be event? my worst match of the year. Yeah, it was a main event, and it went on forever and ever and ever. I think I think it went on longer than. Nah, I can't make that joke. But anyway, oh yeah, and racist Hulk Hogan returned. So you know, there is nothing. And I repeat, nothing good about this show. If there's anything that deserved an F grade, a dud, a turkey, a golden raspberry, it's this excuse of a pay-per-view show. I would rather watch one of Vince Russo's WCW pay-per-views, and I legitimately mean that because at least they're hilariously shit in comparison to this god-awful blood money pay-per-view. You still had the high-quality cruiserweights, even in the Vince Russo era. Despite all the other shit going on. So there's always exactly. one redeeming thing. But at least he knew he had cruiserweights yeah. to open the shows with. Um, Chen? So I'm going to go with Crown Jewel. And I just want to say, I don't watch these house shows. These glorified house shows. I don't give a shit about them. But just, you know, after the... Con- and when the Greatest Royal Rumble happened... I was like, uh, I don't give a crap, no matter what the problems the women rights over there are, especially, but at least at that time, the prince was trying to make the country a modern place, move along with the times. But then when the next one happened, Crown Jewel, you, you realise what kind of guy the prince really is, and I was like, oh, the only reason I would want the show to happen is for the fans, for the little kids. That's the only reason I wanted it to happen. Mm. But... Judging by the show, it was just so... For fuck's sakes, like... You'd think Shawn Michaels would have learned his mistake... Learned from Ric Flair's mistake. Arthur had the perfect retirement, and then he goes to Impact to have wrestling matches. And I was like, Shawn, why are you doing this? You can tell by his eyes he doesn't want to come back. And, like, you would have expected, um... You know how, like, John Cena pulled out of Crown Jewels... And so did Daniel Bryan. You'd expect to see John Cena like... pulled out his crown jewels. <laughs> <laughs> pulled out oh. the crown jewels. Great joke. Um, but you'd expect someone like Shawn Michaels to do the same. I was like, really? You don't need to wrestle. Don't listen to your buddy Triple H. I don't. Ca- I understand he probably got a whole lot of cash from the prince himself. Yeah, I think, um, think didn't they say HBK took like a million dollars home or something crazy for doing that? Yeah. It's... But more importantly. It's just bringing back Hulk Hogan. When you have already have controversy 
going on with this whole pay-per-view. You bring back Hulk Hogan. And what pissed me off is when I read about what Hulk Hogan did backstage when he talked to the wrestlers. He didn't apologize for shit. He just said, guys, guys, be careful. You, you never know when you're going to be recorded. So be careful. <laughs> oh, like, that guy's that's what really pissed up. me off. No, that's, that's really bad. And I used to love Hulk Hogan as, uh, when I was younger. And I still do. I still I still like him as a, like a character, as a wrestler. No matter how much politics he played and everything. But fuck me. Come on. He's an idiot. Yeah, I think you guys have said most of it. I mean, I agree, Crown Jewel was the worst show of the year. The match I was looking forward to would have been Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the first time, which then didn't happen. And then that main event was just terrible. And as we've talked about, the Brock Braun match, it's very hard to see much redemption in this card. So, clean sweep for Crown Jewel on our worst show of the year. I mean, that, that wraps up our worst awards of the year for 2018 section. Yeah, well, yeah. That got rid of our negativity from our systems. We do like a lot of WWE's product, don't worry. But uh, if, you're, if you're a first-time listener, it's just, you know, sometimes we just need to vent. But anyway, we hope you enjoyed this segment. Yeah. And please also uh, let us know your thoughts by tweeting at HolyShootPod about what you thought was the worst of 2018. And I think just on that, because it was a bit of a negative list and like we were talking about the worst things, we've got a lot to look forward to and I think we're going to be talking about that a lot in the pod for the next month or so in terms of New Japan and Rumble and Becky and all these correct things happening. And Fastlane. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm more hyped for that than rest. No, I'm joking. Anyway, after this short break, we'll be doing another round of The Ring of Dishonor. Hey, you. If you like the podcast, then remember to like the Holy Shoot Wrestling Podcast on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Holy Shoot Pod. Do it! Do it now! So, lastly, it's our weekly segment to close the show, The Ring of Dishonor. For those who haven't joined us on the pod before, it's like Room 101, but wrestling in an audio format. Each week, one of us will nominate something that they would like to see enter The Ring of Dishonor. The other three people on the podcast will decide if it is worthy, or shall we say unworthy enough, to enter The Ring of Dishonor. Except for this week, there's only two people that will decide because producer Chris decided to go to Saudi Arabia. Anyway, two weeks ago, Jason submitted the chairs match into Ring of Dishonor. It was a split decision, but Chris and Chen decided to place it in the Ring of Dishonor. Since Jason was the last person to submit something to the Ring of Dishonor, he is exempt from making another submission this week. Therefore, Jason, please, could you spin the wheel to see whether Chen or myself has something to submit? Let's have a look. I shall spin the wheel. Let's see what we get. I will share this with you guys so you can see. It is Chen that has been chosen by the wheel. Ah, I had a good one this week. (laughs) No pressure, Chen. Can we Uh, not have Chris Benoit type topic yeah. this time. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we already killed the mood about crown, with the uh, crown jewel and reminding people that and Rory's cancer. Listen. So you know, no pressure. Well, I'm gonna put in the ring of dishonor this week. Well, we put it in. You you, you nominate something. Okay. Well, what I'm gonna nominate is stereotyping gimmicks. Ooh, gimmicks. Find your phone on the floor and yeah, disgust. I mean, the whole Hogan racism thing wasn't enough. He's now really angry, but go go for it. It's 2019, mm-hmm. and I hate how the gimmicks wrestlers are giving these are still based on their looks, their color, or their religion. Like you know, Jinder Mahal playing the evil foreign villain. Uh, someone like a Mandy Rose playing, you know the weird sexy dumb blonde kind of thing 
or Rusev also playing the weird foreign hill as well or you know just like give an African American a hip hop gimmick or something like that or a music gimmick I just hate all these type of bullshit gimmicks I'll go first um, just because I I kind of like the old school wrestling still when you watch it and it's got the old school foreign heel I kind of find that amusing I like the guy who wants art Let's cheer for the white meat baby face. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, I enjoy like wrestling and like you know sort of the very simple storylines. I never like this guy is evil. He's a foreigner, but they've moved on from that in my view. I think of what they're doing at the moment. You put that Rusev being like the evil heel. He's a very over baby face now, and they sort of you know gone beyond the evil Russian thing with him, and the crowd loves him. You got Mustafa Ali doing the opposite of people like Jinder Mahal being a much more positive. This is not about my religion or race. I'm here to wrestle thing. Um, yeah, you. Quite Mandy Rose, but then you look at what they've done to people like Becky and how they become legitimate female sports stars. Becky created her own career. But I, I look at that, I think there's still like these stereotypes, but I think there's enough other things going on at the same time, so I'm not sure if I can support on this one. I'll hear what Brod's got to say. So, uh, this is a difficult one. Not because what Chen has said is wrong, there is a lot of bad stereotype in professional wrestling. I think we can agree upon that point, whether it's you know, the examples you pointed out was something like, I don't know, Rico, remember him, or Billy and Chuck in particular. Uh, you get stuff like that. and Choppy, choppy. Oh, no. Yeah, that, yeah I mean, okay. Attitude Era was very bad for that. That's yeah, fair. the Attitude Era was horrendous. The 80s were horrendous for that. But some t- they did have its charm in the 80s, like Hulk Hogan, Iron Sheik, Sergeant Slaughter, and that storyline. Uh, those sorts of storylines, should I say. But you're right, it's 2019, and we do kind of need to move on. The one thing I will say is there is an excellent video of how... It's from a YouTuber called Wrestling With Regret, uh, Brian Zane, very good YouTuber. Check it out if you haven't. And he did one on stereotypes that got over and were successful because superstars owned them. And one example is Eddie Guerrero, like the Mexican, you know, they lied, they cheated, they steal. He owned it and he made it his own. And he took it to, he took his career to the next level with that by becoming WWE champion. You've got to think about the New Day. I mean, gospel music, positivity, very church-like vibes, very black church-like vibes. And they vibes. got booed and then they went hill. And then they owned it. And then they became arguably the most successful team in the past five years. Now, I'm not defending these stereotypes, but I'm just saying superstars sometimes can own them and make it something else. So it's not always necessarily a bad thing. I think, but that's the career, that's the way to succeed in the wrestling business, right? If you're given a bad gimmick, you have to own it and make it work for yourself. I think that's a fair point. Um... In, you know, someone like a Becky, they didn't expect her to be this big, but she owned whatever she was given and made it her own. I think it's more of a WWE problem in the sense that... Even the Rusev Day thing. That was all Rusev. It wasn't the management or nothing. But I look at that and say, okay, you were given a character because we needed something to do with you, and then you made something of it. So you either stay as that stereotype, and I think that some of those are okay. They think Rusev they're in the tank was fucking yeah. awesome yeah. in Mania 31. I'm just but, saying but that. But then you, yeah, that you evolved awesome. beyond it. But what about that wrestler? Because well, all I'm thinking is that wrestler, uh, Muhammad Hussain. Muhammad Hassan. Hassan, yeah. yeah. And that was very insensitive <laughs> in terms of a terrorist character. That's just pushing things too far. 
They started off with a good idea, like, even as heels, he actually said... And he was Italian, right? Yeah, he was Italian-American. <laughs> yeah. But they decided, you know, you, f- you look Arab, therefore you're going to be Arab. And I'm just like, when I found that out, I was like, oh, you fucking didn't. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to make a decision. I, I could go on about this one, but I think we need to make a decision. Jason? I'm not putting it in. We're going to have a split decision, because I think Chen has said enough to convince me to put it in I, and I think the thing that won me over is the Mandy Rose point because I, I forgot even just about ethnic stereotyping as well as sexual stereotyping that's still happening in 2019 so I'm going to put it in but that means we have a tie and we haven't prepared for this so I'm going to suggest this next week's pod when Chris returns from Saudi Arabia with our sweet sweet blood money He's going to be the deciding vote. I'm sure when he comes back from Saudi with all the blood money, he's going to be very much against, you know, stereotypes and Hulk Hogan and that kind of thing. So let's yeah. see who he when it for. comes crashing down. <laughs> uh, just like this segment has gone crashing down. But anyway, um, yeah, this is weird. It's weird to have a tie. I'm sorry, Chen. It's, it's in limbo. It, it is, it's not the first thing not to be rejected and read dishonor. We actually have something in, like, the limbo of dishonour. I think we should call it that. So, Chris, come back from Saudi Arabia and help us make a decision. Anyway, that is all uh, from us here at the Holy Shoot podcast this week. Next week, we will be reviewing New Japan Wrestle Kingdom uh, 13 and fantasy booking the Women's Tag Team Championships. But that's all from us here today. We hope you have enjoyed the hoodie shoot and remember to subscribe to us on all good podcast outlets and some bad ones too and give us a good old follow on the social media. Now that's the bottom line because this pod says so. Da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da.